This podcast is for general information only. It is not intended as a substitute for general health care services. If you have medical conditions, you need to see your doctor. Use of this information is at the user's own risk. Welcome to FitRx with Dr. Greg Dennis. Join me as we challenge the standard sick model of healthcare. This is your source for everything health, wellness, prevention, fitness, biohacking, and more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of FitRx. I am your host, Dr. Greg Dennis. And before we get started, I just want to remind people to leave reviews on Apple Podcast or uh, whatever format you are listening to this. And I appreciate those. So we are starting a series on hormones everything hormones. So we're going to be talking about different hormones the next, gosh, probably three or four weeks, possibly even more. And to start this series, uh, we're going to talk about thyroid. So today is all about thyroid. And my guest is an expert in thyroid. She is L. Russ, who is a best-selling author. She has become a thyroid health expert uh, and mindset coach. She is author of the Paleo Thyroid Solution, as well as has a book called Confident as F U. Uh, you can fill in the blank. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not. And F-U-C-K. That's fine. That's it. That's it. She is also host of the Primal Blueprint podcast and the Kick Ass Life podcast. Uh, so, L, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Okay, so before we dig in deep to the thyroid, um, just kind of tell your story of how you got into this space, how you became kind of a a thyroid expert. By accident. And usually people become, you know, an expert in a health problem once they've had to deal with the health problem and they've struggled through it and needed, you know, no one could help them and they figured it out themselves, which is really what happened to me. So, you know, I don't have a medical background. I have a philosophy degree. Like I don't, you know, I'm not, you know, but... I struggled. And so what happened was, is I live in Los Angeles. Some of the best doctors in the world are in Los Angeles. Yet over a decade, I struggled twice with two bouts of hypothyroidism. And I was the only one that was able to help myself. Meaning I had to become my own doctor, order my own thyroid hormones over the internet, get blood work from doctors, not listen to what they have to say and literally do it myself. That's how I became an expert in it. And I got myself out of two serious bouts of hypothyroidism. One, two in a decade. The second one was called a reverse T3 problem. That's very specific. We could always touch on that later, but long story short, I was left in the dust twice. I went to and or spoke with over two dozen endocrinologists in Los Angeles. Nobody could help me. They all tested me incorrectly. They all made misgaged interpretations of those tests. They misdiagnosed me. They sent me all in the wrong direction. And finally, one day I said, that's it. These effers don't know what the hell they're talking about. I guess I'm going to have to do it myself. And through going online to a patient to patient online forum, I was able to meet other thyroid patients that helped steer me in the right direction that helped me help myself. Uh, I always like to mention those, those people because they're the only two authors of thyroid health that I will read or really listen to. One is Janie Bolthorpe. She wrote a book called Stop the Thyroid Madness. She also has a website of the same name, and it's like one of the best resources for, for thyroid health, um, short of our books. Um, and she sort of helped me save my life before she came out with that book and website in 2006. She was 
just God bless her and a few other thyroid patients who had figured out this effery and the stuff that was happening with uninformed doctors created a patient to patient form where they would help you like interpret your labs, look at your stuff, give them the tips that they learned. This was invaluable. And the truth is that the best selling thyroid books are written by patients because we know what it's like. So Janie Bolthorpe's one of them. The other author who uh, is, his name is Paul Robinson. He's out of the UK. He also helped me save my life. So twice in 10 years, fellow thyroid patients were the ones that actually helped me get out of these jams. Not anyone else, not one doctor. <laughs> so there went the, okay. Um, but how did I get there? Well, I was in, I'm in LA, I'm an actor and a writer actually in the entertainment industry, even though I am also a book author. And so I was pursuing the entertainment industry and I started to get really fat. I was working out all the time. I didn't understand. Um, my hair was falling out. I was getting acne. I had all sorts of problems. I was uh, bleeding all the time, having my period all the time, freezing. I mean, all, like I had 30, 40 symptoms. And it went undiagnosed, unchecked, misdiagnosed for years. So I suffered for probably about six or seven years of my 30s, just dealing with these two thyroid bouts. And um, what happened was, is uh, actually it was a good thing. And this is where gifts come wrapped in poop, crap, whatever you want to say. I'll be a little bit clean here. But the thing is, is that some of these things are the best things that can happen to you. Because when I got hypothyroid, I started to get really, really fat, which happens often to people. And that's, you know, you're like, how is that a good thing? Well, the way that it was a good thing is I was in the entertainment industry, kind of going out for leading lady roles in sitcoms, TVs, and tele, you know, films. And uh, I became really fat. So I thought, oh God, uh, I clearly can't be a leading lady now based on all of the you know requirements of fitness that they would really probably want for that. So I guess I'm just gonna have to be the fat, funny friend. Oh shit. Um, so I went back to my comedy roots. I started doing comedy again because I thought, well, I need to laugh. I'm miserable. Uh, and you know, it's something to do. And also maybe this is the only thing I can deal with now. But as a result of going back into sketch comedy, something I didn't think I would do, I actually became a writer. <laughs> so when something bad happens, you're like, curse this, curse this. I'd be like, you know, check yourself. You don't know, give it some time. This might be in hindsight. When I look back, getting hypothyroidism was one of the best things for me and my career. And by the way, all of those years of sketch comedy that ended up doing because I was like, oh, whatever, I'm fat. I'm going to go do comedy. Were some of the best years of my life and still are. They are also were free, meaning we don't get paid for sketch comedy. If anything, when you're doing sketch comedy, you go pay for your own props and your own stuff and whatever. And uh, literally still to this day, some of my greatest friends, some of my co-writing partners I met um, and everything stemmed from there, a lot of things. So I know that's a long way to go about it, but like a lot of people, they end up seeing a ton of doctors get misdiagnosed, not tested properly. The doctor says your thyroid's fine, work out more, eat less. It's not that. Here's Prozac, you're depressed. Oh, you have high blood pressure. Let's give you a pill. And it's not that because it all goes back to the thyroid because it's the master. So when you figured all this out on your own, uh, I mean, you, you still at some point had to get, I guess, a prescription for thyroid, right? I mean, how did you finally find a doctor that was just willing to work with you? No, I literally ordered my thyroid hormones over the internet. Yeah. And I ordered them everywhere. I mean, they're more expensive when you order the internet. Some are not even available over the internet. Luckily, I was able to find them over the internet. Eventually, I did find a doctor who was willing to, to give me my prescription. But then when I ran into a second problem and I went to that doctor because I thought, oh, she she kind of knows what's up now. This is great. After my first suffering, I finally found someone who kind of knows what they're talking about. I was really happy. Mm. I go in there and I'm like, look, I'm having this second bout. It's a reverse T3 problem. This is what's happening to me. And she literally threw her hands up in the air and she said, oh, oh this is too complicated. 
And I looked at her and I said, too complicated. So medical school wasn't complicated. Like doing organic chemistry problems on the MCAT wasn't freaking complicated, but this is complicated. That's horrific that that was the response I got from my doctor. And well, so I was like, she's an idiot. I'm out of here. I'm on my own again in the parking lot, in my car, crying, going, I know I got to do this again now. I when, have to do this again and figure it out myself. You know, when, and I've talked a lot about this on my show, but you know, when, when doctors are seeing, you know, 25, 30 people a day, it's not that it's too complicated. It's that they don't have the time to go investigate it or they don't want to spend the time. I mean, and that's, you know, one of the problems with, with modern day medicine. Well, um, first of all, I mean, other than COVID this year, kind of stepping up to the plate, Western medicine is the third leading cause of death in our yeah. country. And that's not to say it's not valuable. I'm sure everyone listening has had their life saved at some point by Western medicine, even if it was a Benadryl, right? You know what I mean? So of course, the problem is this, the doctors are uninformed about thyroid. They're like living in 1973 thyroid knowledge, okay? They don't learn anything about nutrition in school. They learn nothing. And what they learn is wrong. They um, have 15 minutes. If you go to your HMO PPO doctor, they have 10, 15 minutes, that's it. You are looking for a prescription, a pill or surgery. That's all they're going to give you. You ask them about vitamins, they laugh in your face. I recently, uh, a year ago or so, I went to my standard insurance doctor because, you know, in the States, and if you're listening outside of the States, in the States, we all have insurance as like a, in case, you know, my arm gets cut off, right. You know, and to go to the doctor a couple of times a year for checkups. So I go into her and I'm very honest. I said, Hey, look, I, I wrote a book on uninformed doctors, <laughs> you know, about thyroid. And I want to be very honest with you. I work with my functional medicine doctor. Um, and he would like me to get this list of tests taken. And I know that's a little bit, you know, but, but would you be okay with taking these tests that my real doctor, you know, wants me to do. And she looks over the tests and as she's looking them over, she looks at me and she says, well, I'm, you know, yeah, okay. I'll take these tests. It's just, I, I don't know what some of them mean. Now I admire that she admitted she didn't know something because that's something doctors don't often do, but do you, how much would you like to make a bet that she did not go home or after that evening go, I don't know some things. Another doctor told me to test. Maybe I should go look them up and find out what they are. Of course she didn't. And she was obese. So again, you know, I, I don't know where to, you know what I'm saying? It's like, what are you, what are you going to do? So they're not going to give you the answers. If you want any help with your full overhaul, life change, what's my body? Who am I? What are my genetics? How do I optimize myself? You go to a functional medicine doctor, someone who's skilled in orthomolecular medicine, integrative physician, who's an MD. That's really going to be your best bet. And those people are all out of pocket. But then my next question is, how much is your health worth to you? I spent $15,000 I didn't have as a broke actor back then trying to go to all these doctors, PPO, co-pays out the butt, all this kind of stuff. They all ruined me. Had I saved five grand or two grand of that and gone to another doctor, I would have had a couple sessions, a bunch of blood tests, and I would have been fixed. That's what it would have cost with my current doctor. Like, you know, 500 bucks for an appointment, maybe, you know, follow-ups to, okay, but where now some people who are doing that same work are charging $6,000. So, you know, it's really who's worth their weight, how long they've been practicing. They're not all great, but a functional medicine doctor is probably going to be way better than your standard MD down the street, who you go to when you do have a cold, when you do need an antibiotic, who you do go for the pap smear and the stupid, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, they're only taking a general CBC. They're not testing the full thyroid. They are not testing all sorts of other inflammatory markers. And to that point years ago, I went to a doctor and a standard doctor and got my annual physical. And they were like, you're doing great. And if you looked at all the lipid panel and everything, it looked great. Then I go to my functional medicine doctor and he's like, you're about to have a stroke or a heart attack. 
How do those two things match up, people? Because one doctor did more investigative tests to test really important, legit things that I was able to fix through supplements and some dumb stuff. So I didn't have to have a stroke and a heart attack (laughs) at a very young age, right? So Western doctors will miss so many things. It's just not worth it. Yeah, Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the way that, especially the way that we treat, you know, chronic illnesses is absolutely terrible in this country. And I mean, people have, I mean, have heard it on my podcast uh, and, you know, they know what I do. I, you know, I do something called direct primary care. I'm sure they have some of that in, uh, in California, but you know, that's a month, you pay a monthly membership fee. So I, I left the corporate medicine world recently. And, and so now I'm in a cash-based model because I just, you know, with me now actually treating people as you're talking about doing nutrition and, you know, doing hormone replacement therapy, all this stuff, I just didn't fit the mold anymore for corporate medicine. And so, yeah, now I do this. It's a monthly, you know, monthly based membership. And so you're right. I mean, if you want to find a doctor like that, a lot of times you got to pay for it, but people are so, so stuck in the insurance, what I call the insurance mindset that if they're insurance, it's a value that's not there. They're perceiving a value, which I get, it's like, Oh, well, I'm paying for the stuff. And I've seen people who are sick. I've gone to the doctors with them and I'm like, this is the problem. And they still won't. They're still trying to work in the system. Yeah. They're letting insurance dictate their healthcare, unfortunately. Right. And yep. And, and, yeah. and insurance. Yeah. They're never, they're never going to get out of it. Well, I'm curious, uh, before we start, you know, getting into the thyroid, um, how did you get hooked up with Mark Sisson and, and get on, become, uh, you know, a host of that podcast and all that stuff. So random, <laughs> um, again, all accidents really, uh, I was honestly just looking for a, it was like eight years ago or so, eight or nine years ago. And I, was sort of in a jam with finances. I really needed to make some extra money, but I also have a hand disability that would prevent me from like getting a job at Starbucks because I would be like in pain after two hours. So it's really difficult to try to find something where you can use your voice or your hands limited. And so I was looking for like, I don't know, gosh, should I just get like a part-time job with a mom in Malibu or something where I can make some extra money? And within one week, I had three (laughs) job interviews with three writers in Malibu. Of all, of all, of all things, three writers, right? One was Neil Strauss. I don't know if you've heard of him. He, he wrote a book like The Game. He writes a book for guys like how to get the chicks and how to like work the scene or whatever. And uh, I interviewed with him, someone else, and then Mark. And I didn't know who Mark was at all. And he just needed, he had never had like a assistant for him, you know, like, and he was starting to get really busy. He had not formed Primal Kitchen yet. He was just starting Primal Blueprint Publishing at the time. And he had Mark's Daily Apple blog. He had his supplement company, but he just had not done any of these things yet. So he really needed an assistant. He was getting too busy. And I thought, well, this is easy. I'll do this for a year, get some money, pay back some of the things I need to do. And then I'll quit. Cause like, I don't want to be an assistant. Like I'm so, cause I'm so overqualified for it anyway, but I was like, this is easy. So uh, boy, that turned into eight years later. I'm still technically working for Mark. So I was his assistant for a couple of years. Um, his family assistant, personal assistant in his house every day. And then um, I, I read his book finally. And like, and I was like, who, his wife and they look great. They're 20 years older than me. They look better. They're not stressing out about working out all the time. I gotta like read this guy's fucking book. I've been working for him for like two weeks. Yeah. So I read his book. I watched a video of him describing the primal blueprint and it all clicked in all of the confusion of all the books I'd read over the years, all the shit I tried, all the different things. I had food issues, food disorders, uh, never satisfied, always, you know, looking, opening the fridge, food obsessed. And it all made sense to me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try it. So I went paleo. Then I realized, wow, I noticed so many things with the thyroid medication I was on at the time and lots of other different things that were happening. And I made this connection that is legit a connection 
between paleoprimal health, what our DNA expects of us, how our system works, and also cortisol, blood glucose, thyroid, and, and how this all fits together. And I was the first one to make that connection, but I went to Mark and I said, look, I'm not trying to be cute here. There's a connection. I want to write a thyroid book. And he said, I really would love to publish one. I've been thinking about that. So I pitched it to him and he was like, this is great. And then he published uh, my first book. He wrote the forward to my second book. Primal Blueprint Publishing is now, I mean, all of Mark's, Mark sold his entire company to Craft Tines a couple of years ago. So they're not technically publishing new titles anymore. So my second book is, you know, self-published. And so, yeah, so really lucky. Mark is one of the greatest guys I've ever met in my life. His family is incredible. And, you know, when I say that, it sounds like, well, first of all, I wouldn't even say it at all. I wouldn't even bother. It sounds kind of kiss-ass, but it's, it's really true. I, I love him so much. And I understand why everyone else does too. Um, but when you get to know him as a human being and as a father and as a husband and things like that, it's just, I almost want to cry right now thinking about how incredible he is, how lucky I am to work for such an incredible leader you know, in, in this community and such a pioneer and also just such a badass. So I am just, uh, yeah, so it's been super fun. And I mean, you know, sometimes I say, God, I wish he was my dad. I wish I could have my dad. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love his work that he does. Well, yeah. uh, so, uh, so let's get into thyroid. And mm -hmm. so you wrote this, this thyroid book, you told us kind of about your journey. So, so you call thyroid the master gland. Why, why do you refer to it as the master gland? Uh, it's not just me. It's the world. It's like the world of science. And here's why. So if you're on a stranded island for some reason, and let's say you're, you can't live without one. Okay. So what does that mean? Um, if you are born without a thyroid, if they don't catch it quickly, you will have mental retardation set in or death period. You just, if you don't catch it right away, you're done. What does that mean? If your life is lived with subpar thyroid output, it's like slowly dying, dying and it's accelerated aging. So if you can't live on an island without a thyroid, AKA the thyroid hormones that come from it, how do you think life's going to be like when they're not optimal or they're low or non-existent? So the reason it's the master gland is that thyroid or thyroid hormones that come from the thyroid gland, you can take them like I do if your thyroid's not working right. But these hormones are responsible for the production and regulation of all of our sex hormones. They are responsible for the regulation of our temperature. <laughs> it's like a thermostat. They are responsible for our heart rate. So when you're hyperthyroid and you have an overactive thyroid, you have a very high heart rate, you could have a heart attack, very dangerous. You're very sweaty. You're pooping all the time. You have a very high uh, appetite and sometimes can't gain weight. Now that sounds really great to a lot of people, but, but the thing is, is that it backfires usually it's hypermetabolic and then you can become very fat and bloated. So hypothyroidism, underactive thyroidism, which is the main subject of my book is again, not having enough. So it's sluggish, slow, it's constipated, it's fat, it's can't stay awake, it's brain fog, can't think. We have more receptors in our brain for T3, which is the biologically active hormone more than any other place, which is why when you're hypothyroid, you start to get dyslexic in the mouth, in the brain, you can't focus. You have to read paragraphs over and over again to retain it. You have messy handwriting because brain to hand dexterity is off. You're really uncoordinated. Drop, you know, it, I, I, this happens all the time. People who are hypothyroid wonder, they're like, what am I such so clumsy? Like they're bumping into shit. They're knocking over their water. Like it's a thing. And there's a million other symptoms and things that go along with that, but that's the same. So here's where we are as human beings. We're Goldilocks, not too hot, not too cold, you know, when it comes to the thyroid. And the thyroid is sort of like managing that. Why do you think we're seeing so many thyroid problems these days? You know, as a, as a practitioner, you know, I see a ton of uh, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is probably the most common. Mm -hmm. uh, why is it so prevalent nowadays? 
Well, first of all, 200 plus million people in the world have some thyroid disease. 25 plus million Americans have it and 60% are undiagnosed. So that number is way higher. The number one prescription in the entire US, just the number one prescription literally for years is just one thyroid hormone, which is Synthroid, the brand name of one thyroid hormone. That's just one of several that people take out there. That's the number one prescription in America. So it is, it's huge. One in eight women will get it in their lifetime. It's disproportionately a women's issue, but men get it too and are often discounted because of it. So yeah, why is it such a problem? Well, on the heels of like the low fat 80s, where everybody was like, hey, eat vegan pasta and all this stuff, this carbs and stuff, right? The whole grain movement, because we know for sure that gluten contributes to the ignition of the antibodies with Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune form of hypothyroidism. And people didn't know that. So imagine, but also too, we're living in a toxic world. And this is part of the primal blueprint and primal paleo living, which is us adapting better. You know, um, so we're multi, you know, we're multitasking, we're on fire. We're like always in a state of fight or flight. A lot of people are under a lot of stress that plus a toxic environment, plus nutritional deficiencies, et cetera, et cetera. And lifestyle choices, of course, a lot of it's food can lead to, again, this imbalance. And sometimes it's just sort of hereditary, you know, sometimes, and sometimes it just happens and there's no, you never know what caused it. Sometimes uh, people in the Midwest uh, get it a lot because the Midwest was called the goiter belt meaning the, the belt around the Great Lakes, because back in the day, people were getting goiters, which were like an enlarged thyroid gland. Looks like you got like a tennis ball on your throat. They can get to be really big too. And so they were like, what are we doing? So they iodine, they put iodine in salt, they iodize salt. And that seemed to help. And it also, um, and I think it had something to do also with the wartime too, and giving people salt and goiters so they could really sign up for the military and get out of there. But long story short, we don't really know why the, the, the goiter belt thing could be because there wasn't enough selenium in the soil, not enough nutrients and iodine because it's not near a sea, seawater. Uh, but again, we just, it's more likely a toxic world and lifestyle and what you're putting in your mouth more than anything. But people also can get Hashimoto's from living in a house with black mold that they didn't even know about. You know, someone can get hyperthyroidism from having a horrible tooth infection that got out of control and they haven't fixed yet. Lots of things and insults can also affect this system. Uh, but, but generally, I would say that's, that's probably why. I want to talk about diagnosis uh, and you alluded to a lot of it uh, at the first of this, but somebody thinks maybe they have low thyroid. They have a lot of the symptoms that you discussed, you know, they're, they're fatigued, they're gaining weight, uh, they're losing hair, you know, whatever. So they go into their doctor, their doctor orders a TSH mm -hmm. and they say it's, it's normal. And they say, you're okay. I mean, your, your, your thyroid's fine. So by um, the way, out there, if anyone, if anyone is listening and your doctor only tests the TSH to see about your thyroid. You're with a dumb, uninformed doctor, period. You run, you run. You can't even teach a doctor anything who's coming from that point. And you mentioned even endocrinologists do that. I mean, endocrinologists, endocrinologists do, do it all the time. Uh, they are, are the worst. Yeah. They're supposed to be. And, and just, I, I don't, I don't like talking bad about other specialists. Well, but, then I'll do it. I mean, Let me talk okay. about it. Well, it's just like cardiologists and cholesterol. I mean, that, absolutely. They're going mean, to put you on a stat. I tell, I, tell I tell patients, I'm like, I know this is like crazy foreign concept, but cardiologists like really don't know anything about cholesterol. I mean, they, they just don't. They, they just don't know anything how, about they, it. They, so they just know how to put you on with endocrinologists. Yeah. So, so let me explain. Let me explain that. Let yeah, me explain ahead, it because I think it's really interesting. And I, I, I have a Q and A in the back of my thyroid book with Dr. Forsman, who's on the book, who explained this quite well. When you're an endocrinologist or a doctor, you think to yourself, how could I have, I went to Harvard. 
how could I have spent 10 years and all this money and not learned everything I needed to know? right? It's a little bit of ego. The other thing too is, so let's say a doctor, uh, let's say an endocrinologist has a patient and that patient has another doctor that they're working with. For example, this happened to my doctor. He's working with a patient, an endocrinologist. He wanted to order some tests for this patient. The endocrinologist got offended. Okay. Why would an endocrinologist get offended? Because he's going, why is this doctor ordering tests? I don't, I know when I'm talking, right? But where's the freaking patient in all of this? And why would you care if another doctor wanted to take some tests? Your freaking ego, where's the patient here? That is what is going on. They're also very indoctrinated. The more know, indoctrinated you get, the, the more like, it's literally like my doctor says, it's like literally asking a rabbi to do Hail Marys. You can't even, it's, that's, that's a totally different paradigm. And so endocrinologists are classically the worst, the worst doctors to see for thyroid health. The worst. I, I always suggest never going to an endocrinologist with that. Boy, I'm sorry if you're a great endocrinologist out there. Yes, there are some good ones. I'm sorry to say that the rest of them have made you look bad, but that's the truth. That's just how it presents in society. And it's unfortunate because I'm sure there's a lot of great endocrinologists. But when I see that someone's an endocrinologist, I want to run in the other direction. So let's get into to proper diagnosing of, of yeah. thyroid. And so somebody, when we want to screen for thyroid, okay, yeah. so obviously we're going to throw a TSH and I want to get into each one of these kind of individually. Okay. Um, and, and so a free T4, free T3, before we get into the reverse thyroid, I want to just talk about those. So just talk about the importance of and, and kind of what they do, maybe physiologically uh, of the free T and, and, or, or T3 and T4. Okay. Well, let me, um, so, and people can go back and listen to this, but I think it's very important that you, what I'm about to explain to you is literally how the entire thyroid works. Uh, if I was able to grasp it as a philosophy major, so, so will you out there if you don't have a medical degree, but here's how it works. So we'll talk about, actually, we do need to discuss reverse T3 in this, but so we'll take the, the four TSH, free T3, free T4, reverse T3. This is how it works. So let's just pretend for a second that I'm a normal person in this world where my thyroid's working great. I don't take any medication. I'm good to go. In this scenario, uh, when my body starts to get low in thyroid hormones, the pituitary at the base of the brain acts kind of like a sensor. And it's like, oh, oh, hey, L's getting low in thyroid hormones. So let's send out a message to the thyroid that it needs to do its job and create more. That message that it's sending to the thyroid is called TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. It's not a thyroid hormone. It's a wake up call. It's a signal. It's an instruction. There's no hormone in TSH. So my body's getting low in thyroid hormone. Uh, the sensor goes, you know, the pituitary goes, Hey, wake up, sends a message to the thyroid. The thyroid gets the message and it's like, thank you very much. Great. Now I'm going to do my job. And its job is it will pump out two things, T4 and T3. These are hormones. However, it will pump out 80 to 90% maybe of T4 and about nine to 20% of T3. So a lot of T4 and a little bit of T3. What are these things and why would it do this? Okay, what everyone really needs to know is that T3 is the package. T3 is the only biologically active hormone, meaning you, it, it is very powerful. So as a result of its power almost, it's almost like our bodies, this is so elegant and brilliant. It's almost like our bodies, it created this, T4, which is the storage hormone for it. So the, your, your thyroid gets the signal, the TSH is sent. Now the thyroid pumps out a lot of T4, which is a storage hormone for T3. And it pumps out a little bit of T3, gives you a little bit of direct. And then throughout the day, as you need it, the T4 will convert 
into the biologically active, powerful hormone that actually makes you feel good and live your life and have metabolism and all of that. So TSH sends a signal, thyroid pumps out a lot of T4, little T3 throughout the day. The T4 will sort of like slow release as you need it. And it will convert into the thing that matters that you need to live and feel good. And then whatever's not used of it will get kind of flushed out through a process called reverse T3. Reverse T3 is just the inactive form, you could say, of T3. Why does it do this? Why? Reverse T3 is a emergency break fail mechanism. It's an incredibly elegant feedback, and here's why. Let's say you're going throughout your day. You work out a ton. Maybe you did like a 10-mile race or something. At that point, by the end of it, yeah, your TSH is, you know, signals are going to be sent. They're going to convert more to T3. But let's say you're starving, whether you're doing it yourself or you're on a stranded island or you're just like over dieting. See, now your body's trying to save you and it goes, hold on a minute. Uh, L is starving. She's not getting any food. So we are not going to convert this T4 to this fat burn T3 because we're worried about her. And until she's out of the woods, we're going to dial it back. So what in that case it'll do is the T4 will convert into the inactive form, trying to save your life, not giving you fat burning T3. So you thyroid sick syndrome is really a thyroid problem that is brought about by over-exercising, under-eating, you know, starvation, et cetera. It can actually be real starvation in the wild too. Um, and then again, that's because your body's trying to save itself. So TSH, so, so here's the thing that everyone needs to know. Here lies the problem. If you're just testing the TSH as a doctor, you're just testing to see how strong the signal center, what the signal's doing. You're not, you're not testing to see, did this patient get the package? Where are their T4 levels at? More importantly, are they converting into the thing that matters? Into the thing that matters. Here's a perfect example. I take T3 only. I don't take any T4. I am on the last resort choice of thyroid hormone replacement that anybody should be on. Why do I take T3 only? because I have a problem converting the T4 to the T3. And there are a lot more conversion problems happening nowadays. And we call that a reverse T3 problem with, because for whatever reason, and we can get into causes later, the T4 won't convert into the active form. It keeps converting into the inactive form. And when it keeps doing that in high amounts, it almost kind of stands in front of the wall of the T3 cell and blocks it and says, you're not gonna get in here. Meaning you are like extremely hypothyroid and even though your hormones are working and they're being pumped out, they're not converted. So when you go onto Amazon and you order something and it doesn't get delivered, do you keep ordering it? No, you, you check tracking your package. Where is this thing? So just testing the TSH is like continually order something. Here's the other problem with TSH. It's a 1973 test that was solely used at the time to, to diagnose thyroid problems. It fluctuates so much throughout the day, it is unreliable. And furthermore, all it tells us about a wake-up call being sent or not sent, and, and that can be informative in the grand scheme of the full panel, but it is not informative on its own. There needs to be more. And anyone making a decision for a patient based on just the TSH, you better run. And this happens all the time. I was at a conference once, this happened to Mark Sisson, this happened to Brad Kearns. This is what happens. Someone will wake up, they go to the gym, fasted, then they go to their annual physical and they get their thyroid drawn. And let's say the TSH range is zero to five. It'll be at three or a little bit above three. And the doctor's like, oh my God, I'm worried about you. You have a thyroid over here, here you need some Synthroid. Now with what I just described you, even though you're out there listening and you may not be a doctor, that doesn't make any sense. That is so harmful. 
because just at that time, the guy had fasted, he worked out. By the time he took the test, yes, the signal was probably being sent from the pituitary going, yeah, this dude just worked out a shitload. Send this guy some more, you know, wake it up. He needs more thyroid hormone. And then the doctor looks at the TSH and goes, oh, it's, it's a little bit elevated. I'm worried about you and literally write the prescription. They have said this to Mark, Brad. They've looked at their TSH and gone, oh, I'm worried about you. And it all happened because they did the same thing. They went and badassed it at the gym fasting. And then they went in and it just happened that at that point in time, the TSH was like, yeah, 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 yeah. So that is not an accurate measure. They didn't test their free T3 and free T4. Now, a lot of mistakes endocrinologists makes it this. And if you've been on Synthroid for years, or you've been on level thyroxine or any of this kind of stuff, and you still feel junky and your doctor's like, well, it's not your thyroid. I uh, look back at your labs. Endocrinologists barely test anything other than TSH or TSH and T4. So for example, there's a, a success story in my book, Kara. She was on uh, T4 only. We could talk about medication in a second because there's lots of ways to do that. But she was on thyroid hormone replacement for 10 years. Two miscarriages, started getting weight. Doctor kept being like, I don't know, maybe you need Prozac. Maybe you need to work out more, eat less. She's like, I'm training for a marathon, man. I've been skinny my whole life. What are you talking about? Long story short, she found out through another doctor. She had actually had Hashimoto's. Endocrinologist just never test for it. Didn't even know she had Hashimoto's because they don't give a shit about it or think you can do anything about it, but you can. And then also all they tested, we looked through 11 years of tests. It was just TSH and T4. So they were never even testing. Did the thing convert into the thing that matters. Did the T4, that T4 test means nothing. T4 is useless unless it converts into T3. It's useless. And I can tell you that because I don't have any T4 in my system and I haven't for like a very long time. T4 is the only thing that converts into the reverse T3, which is why taking T3 when you have a reverse T3 problem that cannot be resolved is the only answer. Because when I swallow T3, I am going direct and I'm bypassing the system, which by the way, not great. It's not optimal. That's why it's the last resort choice. Most people do well when they have to take thyroid hormones on a T4, T3 combination like NDT or compounded thyroid, where it's got that kind of similar ratio of what I talked to you about when the thyroid pumps it out. Um, but again, to only test TSH or to only test TSH and T4 is missing the entire thing. You will miss dose patients, patients, you will misgauge it. You will, you will completely. Now, the other thing too is, so let's say you got a doctor and they seem really woke because they're testing free T3, free T4 and TSH. Yeah. But if they're not testing reverse T3, now they're also missing a huge part of the problem because you could actually have labs that look seemingly normal or optimal, but if you don't test the reverse T3, and then once you do, you realize, oh God, this person is in a really bad state and you can be very hypothyroid with a reverse T3 issue, it is hypothyroidism, um, and have it kind of not be noticed because other things look normal. So those four tests plus the two Hashimoto's antibody tests to sort of rule out whether or not you have an autoimmune form, and we can get into this later, but there are reasons why you should know that because there's other things you can do to help the autoimmune disease um, that are different from uh, people like me who don't have Hashimoto's, but have regular hypothyroidism. Yeah. I'll just sort of stop there and see where, <laughs> see where you okay. want to go. I'm going to have oh, so teach me. the two antibody tests, TPO antibody and TG antibody. So six tests, TSH, free T3, free T4, reverse T3, TPO, thyroid peroxidase antibody, thyroglobulin antibody, TG. Those are the six main. Now I would say there's some peripherals. Those are the six main tests you must get and you must get them tested in the morning fasting, black coffee or tea is fine before 9.30 a.m. That's your most accurate bet. Those tests will go 
huh, is there a problem? Okay. So I want you to, to teach me something. Okay. Sure. So I'm doing better than most, but it uh, doesn't sound like I got an A. So I'm, I'm doing TSH. Uh, uh-huh. I'm testing free T3. I test free T4. Right. Uh, I base a patient's treatment on that. I mean, and so if they have a combination, obviously we do a combination, uh, which we'll talk about treatment here in a minute, a combination T3, T4. If they, you know, just have a T3 problem, maybe we're doing just a straight uh, T3. I am not testing the reverse T3 regularly just because, you know, I'm in a cash-based practice. It's just added expense. So teach me I think again. You, I think because it has to be ruled out and it's there's more yeah. the, the the reverse t3 cases are on the rise it's more so teach, teach me the the clinical sure. relevance sure. Uh, of that and so what like if if i'm seeing the 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 t3 and the t4 okay and let's just say those are normal but right. the reverse so you, so t3 that, is off what am i going to do differently okay a couple things so first of all reverse t3 like my doctor, he tests it for everybody, even if they don't have a thyroid problem as a general marker of wellness and unwellness in the human body. When you're in the ICU, they test reverse T3 because it's related to heart failure. <laughs> okay. So uh, it's very important, but here's the thing. You could have someone's tests who look good or look bad. And either way, if you don't know the reverse T3 results and more importantly, the ratio, which is a, we do a ratio between the reverse T3 and the free T3. There's an online calculators for it. And essentially you're looking at a ratio of 20 and higher 18 wouldn't be bad. But when I was in a really bad reverse T3 system situation, my, my ratio was like 10. Now here's why, because someone could have a thyroid problem that was ignited by a reverse T3 problem because they're stressed out or because they're uh, got heavy metals or some antagonistic thing that prevents the conversion. So you, A, might not need to put them on thyroid hormone at all. You could try other things first. Number two, it is more ideal for someone to be on a T4, T3 combo. But if you've got a reverse T3 problem, then the more T4 you give them, the more it's not converting, the sicker you're making them, the more hypothyroid you're making them, even though they're on thyroid hormone replacement. So when someone's on a T4, T3 combo, and let's say the reverse T3 is not horrible, like the ratio is not 10, maybe it's 12, 15, maybe it's seven, you know, you see it not going in a good direction or you see it kind of high. So in a range of zero to 35, if someone's way up there, but if they're at like 20, yeah, still suspect, you kind of want it in lower in the range. So in that situation, that would be the perfect time to be like, let's jam some selenium. Let's up to 600 micrograms a day, maybe for a month, other things. It might involve getting rid of heavy metals, replacing the silver fillings, your mouth, anything that can affect mitochondrial function or metabolism. And those things do spawn some reverse T3 issues. It can just general stress in life can do it. Okay. And so maybe then that it's like, Hey, let's support your adrenals first. Let's do some selenium. Let's mess around with some stuff for eight weeks to see if it's not corrected first naturally. And if not, then at least you've got the baseline to receive and have these hormones be properly converted. But I'll tell you why they missed my reverse T3. I was on NDT and my labs looked normal and my T3 was optimal. And they were like, your thyroid's great, but no one tested the reverse T3. And if you tested, it was at like 32 and the top of the range was like 30 and the ratio was 10. So I was hypothyroid horribly, even though I was on thyroid hormone, because all the T4 I was taking kept converting into the inactive form. And what it does is it essentially stands in front of, you can imagine it like guards stands in front of the T3 cell and won't let the T3 in, which is why you remain hypo. Meanwhile, the T3 is just pulling around your blood, driving around the office building, never punching into work. And that driving around the office building and never punching into work 
is what a reverse T3 problem is, which is why the driving around the work looks like the good free T3 results on the blood test. But if you don't test that reverse T3, you can't tell. Also to check in with reverse T3 a couple times a year, you know, let's say someone's on medication. Usually if they're optimized, they don't need to keep coming in, right? They're good to go. Maybe they do a little bit less in summer, a little bit more in winter. But at the end of the day, when you're checking that you're keeping up with it so that you can prevent it from getting worse. So then what if you have a situation where Let's say you've tried everything. The person's like, I've done the selenium. I did the detox. I did, you know, I did everything and I still can't convert. By the way, there's people that can't convert who have who aren't swallowing the hormones. There's people who have reverse T3 problems that never had thyroid problems before and suddenly get stressed and it screws up the system. But let's say you're like me and you're like on thyroid hormone and you have a reverse T3 problem. Um, so aside from all the natural stuff, the other thing is then what do you do if it can't resolve you can't keep giving this person T4. You are making them hypo. That's me. So then you have to go to T3 only, which is something even more doctors don't know how to dose. More doctors are clueless about. More doctors are even afraid about. They know less about T3 and reverse T3 problems than they do about thyroid. That's saying a lot because they don't know a lot about thyroid. So it's pretty bad. So I take T3 only because T3 is the only thing that doesn't convert into reverse T3. So by the way, it can take 10 to 12 weeks for those quote receptors to clear. Again, these are metaphors where that guard standing in front of the cell. So even though I start taking T3, I'll start to feel better. I'm off the NDT, I'm off the T4, whatever. I'll start to feel better, but it could take eight to 12 weeks for that to really like kind of clear up and have you really be affected on a cellular level. So reverse T3 problems are on the rise probably because of stress, who knows, it doesn't matter. I've seen so many people have reverse T3 problems like during a stressful year or divorce or whatever. Does that mean they need to go on thyroid hormone? Not necessarily. Again, it could just be some nutritional stuff. Maybe it's up-leveling the selenium, which will then up-level the iodine. Maybe it's both, but there's some nutrient stuff and some other things dietary to work on before putting someone on thyroid medication based on just those three results. But I think it's always important. Now, reverse T3, if you got it tested on your own, it's like 70 bucks. So I, I, I get that it's an extra expense. A lot of places won't test it. You can't even test it in Canada. They have to send it to the United States, but it is truly so important because it's a marker of wellness and general and wellness. Now, here's the objection that I've had a couple of times, and I'm going to give you a couple examples in my book. One is I took a patient who didn't speak English well who worked for our company to an endocrinologist. Endocrinologist didn't look at her, didn't even ask her any questions about herself, just looked at the results. And I said to the doctor, I said, hey, listen, I have a real suspicion that this patient has a very serious reverse T3 problem from everything she's talking to me about and looking at her labs. But she didn't have any T3, I just, I, I knew it. And I said, can you please test the, the reverse T3? The doctor literally said to me, she goes, we don't do that. That's old school. And I said to her, hey, that's interesting you said that because I just went through and got over a reverse T3 problem. So it's pretty new school to me. All I'm asking is that you just take a test. And this is what she said. Well, fine, but I don't know how to evaluate it. And then I said, did you just patronize me for asking you a question about a test you now are telling me you don't even know anything about? This is the stuff, people. This is what you come across with, with, with the ego endocrinologist. She goes, fine. She tests it. Horrible reverse T3 problem. Why am I the doctor in a doctor's office? Literally guys, this is a joke. This happens all the time. Okay. The other time I had a, a client in Hawaii and I said, you got to get your reverse T3 tested. Like we can't not rule this out. You have to do it. Go in there. He goes in there. Doctor says, we don't do it. We don't test it. I said, go, go out beggar. He goes, please, 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 please beggar. And she said, <laughs> We, we only, we only test that when like you're in the ICU. Let's just, you don't even need to know anything about what reverse T3 means. When you're in the ICU, 
you're in trouble, right? It's intensive care unit. You're, you're effed, right? You're on your way out. Something's bad. Things are going to go down. You might die. It's interesting that when you're in that state, they, they always test the reverse T3 because it's a sign of literally like heart failure, meltdown, like all sorts of other things in your body. Why wouldn't you test it before I get to the ICU? Why don't we do a little ICU prevention, man? Like this is how that rolls out. It makes no sense. It's not logical. It's not logical to doctors who know what they're talking about. It's not logical in general to the layperson who just heard this. So this is what you come across. Doctors don't realize how valuable it is. It's always important to rule it out. And I see reverse T3 problems all the time. And the reason I see it, because everyone goes to a bunch of doctors, then they read my book, they hear about me, they call me up for coaching and boom, there we go. It's right there. The doctor blew it off for a year and a half, two years. They kept struggling. They felt a little better Then they didn't. They're still having all these hypo symptoms. And it's because the reverse T3 was never evaluated and they could be very hypothyroid, even though they're on thyroid hormones and even though their labs look a little bit normal. So just to summarize, if I could, because there's yeah. probably a lot of people listening to this and Sorry. you know their brains are about to explode with, with yeah. all the, the technical terms maybe that we're throwing out. So the reverse T3 is probably going to be elevated if you're in a stressful state. Correct. You just got into an accident. You have yeah. the flu. Yeah. yeah. In, in any kind of stress. Sure. Um, if it's if it's chronically high, then you're going to have a problem uh, converting that into free T3. Well, Con- converting the thyroid well, into free T3. If you have T3. a problem with yeah yeah, if you have a problem with reverse T3, if it's being overproduced, that yes. means the T4 is not converting. Now right. we don't. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So if so, if it's high and then and say the other labs are, are normal, then you may not need to be on thyroid and you can say, okay, look, you're stressed. Let's, let's, let's work yes. on stress. Let's, let's, let's do adrenal maybe, support. Let's, let's do let's, supplements, which we'll get into in a minute. Yep. Um, and then, so maybe you work let's on that wait eight weeks. Yeah. And let's yeah. see, did anything change? You know? So, so you work on that and, and say they, they, you know, work on stress in their life, all that stuff. It does not get better. The, so what you're saying is the last thing you would want to do would be to push T4 because that that's going to make it worse. 100%. You cannot give okay. a patient with a reverse T3 problem, any T4, okay. if not, certainly not more, it'll just make it worse. Yeah. And and then, so if, if we're not, if we're not making it better, then, uh, then we can maybe do what you had to do is that's to, right. to, to kind of bypass that and push the, just the, the T3. Right. And I want to, I want to give an overall here because a lot of people are like, I don't want to go on thyroid hormone. I'm scared or whatever. Do I have to be on forever and all this kind of stuff? Here's the thing. You could have a reverse T3 problem and it could be ignited by a bunch of things. Maybe you have Lyme's disease and EBV, Epstein-Barr, and you're, you know, you're stressful. Okay. Like there could be a a nutrient deficiency. There's a million reasons that could possibly contributing to that current reverse T3 situation. Here's where the conundrum comes in. People don't want to be on this stuff forever. You don't necessarily have to be because here's the thing. You might need, let's say you have a horrible reverse T3 problem. You've tried everything, adrenal supplements, nutrients, doing all the stuff to try to get the endocrine system to work back normally and convert the T3 and do the thing. And let's say it's not working. Then you can go on T3 only. And then once you're and then it'll resolve it because it will. And so then you will be unhypothyroid once you get to the right dose of your T3. And from that unhypothyroid state, normal now, feeling great, that's the time to do more investigations into the reverse T3. But you're doing it from a primal body baseline that can actually detox or can actually do things and you feel good and your brain's alive. So you're normal in the world and you're then able to work on all the things that could have possibly caused this. And then one day, 
after you do all that stuff, you maybe you did have heavy metals and you're like, oh, I'm going to do clean that out. Oh, I got silver fillings. Let's look at what else could have been antagonistic towards this thing. And let's say you fix those things and you do it. Then at that point you go, let's try, let's try to get off thyroid hormone. But if you've been suffering for a long time, your body's so just broken that it kind of can't even detox or repair itself or fix itself from these things. So sometimes it can be temporary that you're on thyroid hormone. I mean, not like a month or so, but it could be like, maybe you're on it for like six months, a year, you fix a bunch of stuff up and then you go, you know what? I let's see. And it could take three months to recalibrate a thyroid and you can try going off it and it doesn't work. Then you can go, you know, go right back on. Now, everybody shouldn't do that. Certainly no one who is missing a thyroid gland ever should do that. So when you have had your thyroid removed from thyroid cancer, yeah, no, you, you cannot be on a stranded Island. Yeah. 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 No, I'm glad you said that because thyroid is one of those things. I think when people get on it, they do feel like, you know, it's a medicine they're going to be on the, the rest of their lives. So, but here's, but here's what I want to say about that too. Cause people are scared of that. Like uh, it's okay. Yes. It's a medicine, but it's not. So this is how I differentiate it. A medicine kind of is like the stuff you see on TV with this long list of like blood clots and like all these like side effects or even the birth control pill. Why is that? It's because those medications are doing something to your body that it wasn't meant to inherently do. And when you do something like that to your body, it's going to revolt, right? Thyroid hormone's not that. It's giving your body what you're missing. It's not manipulating your body into doing something it shouldn't be doing. And that is a whole different ballgame. So nobody should be, it, people have lived on thyroid hormone for years and years and years, had babies on them, whatever. I mean, you can live to a ripe old age. There's, I really don't consider it like a medication. Um, yeah, I'm the same way. I, I try not to prescribe, you know, traditional medications if I can keep from it. Yeah. Um, but I'm very big on on hormones. I mean, thyroid, whether we're talking about testosterone, you mm-hmm. know, estrogen, testosterone, progesterone for women, postmenopausal, whatever. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a, it's a, it's in a different camp. So. Well, actually, yeah. I want to bring that up because I had a client who came to me who was in his 20s and he had low, low, low testosterone. And the doctor just put him on testosterone without checking the thyroid. This is a mistake. Here's why that's a mistake. That kid's too young to have testosterone problems. I mean, short of a pituitary tumor or something like this guy should not be having testosterone problems. So what they do is they did the classic Western thing. Well, let's bandaid it. Let's just give him the thing we know he's looking instead of going, why is a 25 year old have low testosterone? Let's look at his thyroid. His thyroid was screwed and he had a reverse T3 problem. So he didn't need testosterone. He needed to up the thyroid. Once you get the thyroid right, the production and the regulation of the sex hormones come right back in, short of being beyond a certain age, right? Of course, like, you know, 60 year old woman, it's not going to, you know. Um, so that happens a lot. You're, you're, oh, you've got high blood pressure. High blood pressure is usually insulin resistance, by the way, people. And secondly, people with sluggish, hypo, slow. Yes, they have terrible lipid panels. Probably would have put all of them on a statin because they're not burning any fat because they got no T3. Yes, you're going to have lipid problems. Guess when it goes away? When you fix the thyroid. You're depressed. You go into the psychiatrist. You're depressed forever. And they're like, we'll put you on some Prozac. That'll work for three months and then it won't work because you didn't get to the root of your depression, which is the lack of T3 in your brain. So any psychiatrist out there prescribing any damn thing without fully checking the thyroid again, borderline malpractice anything. It is the master. It says so much about every part of our lives from constipation, how our bowels work to our brain, to temperature and everything. So it needs to be ruled out always. Do you know what I'm saying? And so that happens a lot too. Giving, you should never do the hormone replacement unless you have baseline figured out the thyroid first, then from there you can dose and decide and experiment. Now, some people have to do it together. If you have a woman who's 
51 in the throes of menopause, having all sorts of symptoms and her thyroid struggling. Her adrenals are also going to be struggling too. Yeah, that's a trifecta. That's kind of a problem. And that's going to take a little bit more finagling and a little bit more experimentation. Those things you might do together at the same time. So, so that's the problem with people being like, oh, you got low testosterone, here's some tea. No, just fix the thyroid. Look at the thyroid first, because again, that testosterone didn't help him. It just didn't totally resolve. Like he feels a little good for a few, you know, a month or so, and then he's back to where he started. And then they keep upping the testosterone. Meanwhile, because they've introduced an exogenous hormone into this 25 year old's body, they have shut down his production of it. You don't need to do that to a 25 year old who's normal. So you're able to get off the, you know, get the thyroid hormone and then wean off the testosterone. And this happens a lot, by the way. And that's why I mentioned it because guys get discounted for the thyroid thing. And if they're only testing the TSH, if a guy's thyroid screwed up, he's going to have testosterone problems. When a woman's thyroid is screwed up, you know, where hypothyroidism manifests itself most in women gynecologically miscarriages, infertility, blood clots, you know, PCOS, all this kind of stuff that wouldn't have existed or ever been created if they weren't hypothyroid. I was misdiagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome back in the day. If you looked at the ultrasound, you would have absolutely agreed with the doctor. We both would have. We'd be like, that is right out of a medical textbook of PCOS. The problem is they didn't go, why? Why does a 30-year-old who has perfect gynecological history in her family, who's never had an issue, why is she suddenly bleeding all the time and has PCOS? Their solution for that was to give me metformin. I didn't take it. And thank God I ended up finding out that it was a thyroid problem. Once I corrected my thyroid problem, I have never had a gynecological issue since. Not since. So it's insane. Everyone's doing it backwards. They're trying to patchwork you without getting to the root. Well, one of the root things of everything is the thyroid. And so it's really, really, really important because again, you could put someone on a statin, blood pressure medication. That's not the reason they have high blood pressure. And then they have the bad lipid panel. I had a horrible lipid panel when I was hypothyroid back in the day. The moment I got on armor and I corrected it, my lipid panel was fine. But most doctors would go, ooh, I uh, send you to a cardiologist. We're worried about you without even going, well, you know what? Let's see if the thyroid is part of this problem. Well, let's get into the treatment a little bit. And and so kind of the the summary and all that is uh, go to a practitioner that's going to check more than just the TSH um, or go to somebody like me who I'm at least uh, is doing more than the TSH. Hopefully we'll be adding the reverse. That's it. And I'm open (laughs) to learning. So if you tell me I want the reverse uh, uh, T3 checked, I'm not going to think you're crazy. And I'm going to say, yeah, she told me I needed to learn about that. So uh, all right. By the way, thank you. Thank you for being open-minded and open to that. The fact that I'm not a doctor, you are, but you're willing to go, you know what, there might be something I don't know here. And probably because you haven't struggled with it yourself, right? So this is great. And this is what I love. This is the kind of practitioner you need is someone like Greg, is is someone like Dr. Forsman, who I have, someone who's going to listen, be open. If if you're like, God, really, can you read this article on this thing? That's what you want. Someone who's curious, who's interested, who's willing to go, I may not know everything. And so I just want to commend you for that because it's very rare. Cool. I appreciate that. So let's get into treatment. Um, so somebody gets their thyroid checked. And so let's just say they, uh, you know, kind of the classic thing we see is they're going to have a high TSH, mm-hmm. um, say a low T4, T3 is normal, plus or minus the the positive uh, positive antibodies. And so that's kind of the classic, I guess, hypothyroid. So let's talk about the treatment. Um, you know, traditionally, we're going to use something like levothyroxine, or which is the, mm-hmm. the generic of, of Synthroid. And, and so, so talk about that particular scenario. Uh, okay, yeah, then- let, let me mention this. So, okay. So there are, there are really three ways to use thyroid hormones to treat people. There are three choices. One is T4 only. 
just taking the hormone T4. Now we've talked about this before. Your, your thyroid pumps out a lot of T4, but a little T3. So that's not endocrine mimicry. Why did that even happen? Let me just rewind a bit and go back to the 1800s where people started to get all these goiters and some genius doctor took sheep thyroid gland in a syringe and injected it into a human and it worked. Thus came natural desiccated thyroid, chopped up pig gland, chopped up pig thyroid gland, essentially. <laughs> okay. And that became the treatment way back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And it worked great for everyone. Then 1950s rolled around and the drug companies could not patent it. So what did they do? They invented Synthroid. And then they bashed the natural stuff and they got every endocrinologist to sign up and be like, T4 is the only answer for thyroid. The second choice is the old choice, which is natural desiccated thyroid. But if you have aversions for religion or any other reasons to eating something or to ingesting something that came from an animal, or you want something cleaner, meaning less fillers, then you do something called compounded. Compounded thyroid is exactly like NDT, meaning the exact same amounts of T4 and T3. It's just that it's kind of purer. You have to go to a compounding pharmacist for it, blah, blah, blah. Why do other people do compounding? Because you can compound down to the microgram. When you get pig desiccated thyroid, which is nature, throid, armor, WP, IRFA in Canada, it's generic everywhere else. When you get a pill of that, it comes in its exact proportions and you can't really measure it out. But when you're a compounding pharmacist, you can be like, I want to give L exactly this amount of T3 and exactly this amount of T4. And you can do it that way. So it's more couture. It's also considered cleaner for people that might have an allergy or an issue with one of the fillers in NDT. Okay. So we got T4 only. We got T4, T3 combo, NDT, natural desiccated thyroid, or compounded. Then you have last resort, T3 only. That's what I take. All right, so T4 only, T4, T3 combo. T4, T3 combo is the best. It is the most endocrine mimicry. Now, does T4 only work for a lot of people? Yeah, but the problem is it fails a lot of people. And so, um, and again, these are the doctors that usually right off the ba bat will, will prescribe Synthroid. And it just sometimes doesn't work with people. It just doesn't, or it backfires. The other problem that I need to mention is this. My doctor has been practicing for 30 years. The only prescription he will not prescribe generic is levothyroxine. The best thing you can do is get on brand name Synthroid if you are going to be on T4 only. If you are on levothyroxine, it could be screwing up your liver labs and all wonky with your thyroid. I take that seriously. I've heard it from a couple of doctors. And again, my doctor prescribes like chemo medication and all sorts of shit to people. And that's the only one he won't. That says a lot. So it's worth it to pay for the brand name T4 if you're going to be on T4 only. Okay. So those are the choices. The problem is, is that the first one is rooted in some scandal and some BS, but also it's really not endocrine mimicry. Our bodies don't just give us T4 only. They do give us T3. So endocrine mimicry is truly the T4, T3 combination. And then the last resort choice again is the T3 only. Okay. Uh, so what if then- It might be the, the first choice resort, but I mean, it's really, yeah, it's, it depends on your situation, but it's not, it's not the one you go to. But what if what if their T3 is normal and they have a low T4, high TSH, um, would you still do a combo uh, like a combo? Well, here's the thing that's interesting about that. Then just more more T4. So you're saying they have a high TSH, low T4, yep. but a Nor what T3? Normal, normal T3. 
What do you mean by normal? Normal lab <laughs> in the lab range. We now need to which, have which I, I understand. I, I, I know where you're going. I know where normal. you're going with this. I know yeah, where you're going with right. this. Anytime, anytime we're talking about hormones yeah. and we're, and, and we're going to get into this in future episodes, uh, uh, normal is, is very relative. So I know where you're going with this. So go ahead. Yes. It's optimal. So, so I would need to know where their T3 was. First of all, we don't have the reverse T3. So that was missed. So we'll see, but here's, here's the situation with that. Let me just give a basic. If you're a normal person in this world, and you don't have any thyroid problems, okay? And you've never had any symptoms. Your free T3 is going to be in the middle of whatever range is in your country. So if the range in the US is, it, it differs, but it's roughly 2.0 to 4.0, okay? Normal people every time, every time, Mark Sisson will go in and get tested. You could go in and get tested, your brother, whatever. They'll go in, that free T3 will be right in the middle. It'll be like 3.1, it'll be like right there. So if anything is below that, that is suspect. So if it's just because something is within the range does not mean it's right. So you will be discounted if you have a low free T3, but it's in the range. You're like, well, whatever, it's in there. No, you are suffering. People can suffer just at a 2.8 and the doctor will be like, oh, that's close to the, but they could be suffering. They might need a little something, maybe nothing, but they need attention because it's still real. Though That's for people that are normal, that don't take thyroid hormone, their TSH will be what? 1.72, something there. Their free T3, four will be 1.31 in a range of 0.8 to 1.7 roughly. And the free T3 will be like 3.1. Everything will be kind of mid range. That's for normal people. So we don't do the same gauge for people that are on thyroid hormone replacement and for the different types, you have to gauge differently. So people who are on T4 only, their labs will look more like normal people who don't take thyroid hormone. People on T4, T3 won't have their nabs look normal and doctors will freak out because they are ignorant about what these things mean. When people are optimized on natural desiccated thyroid, and I wanna say this too, you never target this. This is something that just happens. And there are also exceptions, but generally this is the case. People feel great and have no hypo symptoms and are like, I'm fine. This is great. This is over. I'm now normal. When they're on NDT or a T4, T3 combo and their TSH is suppressed, meaning it's 0.01 or lower, roughly around there, but it looks like it's kind of a nothing. Their free T4 will be 1.3 to 1.4. You don't want it to really go over 1.4. If it's in a range of 1.7, that could be indicative of a reverse T3 problem, by the way. So if it's a very high T4, when someone's on NDT, that's when you have to check the reverse T3, especially, but that is also a warning sign that they are on too much. Where will the free T3 be when you're on a T4, T3 combo? It will be above the mid range. Usually some people who are super metabolically efficient might only need it at the mid range, or there I've seen people with no thyroid who are really optimized with health and diet, who've been on NDT for many years and they're okay. Instead of, instead of 3.0 or 3.1, they're like 2.9 and they're fine. That's okay. They don't have any symptoms. That's all right. Would they have room to grow if they had symptoms and wanted to up it? Sure but most people really function well above the mid range and sometimes towards the top of the range. So the success story in my book who had the miscarriages and all the stuff and the doctor was only testing the TSH and T4, when she finally got on compounded thyroid T4 and T3, her T3, she only does well when it's at the top of the range. She's at like 3.9, 4.0. That does not make you hyperthyroid. A doctor who freaks out about that is ridiculous. So sometimes people need to be between mid or above range to the top of the range when they're on thyroid a T4, T3 combo. 
when you're on T3 only, man, all this stuff goes out the window. Lab, you'll freak out. Every doctor with labs, they're going to be so scared. If they don't know what they're talking about, they're going to have a freaking meltdown. Because when you're on T3 only, and again, I'll make a caveat here at the end of it, but when you're on T3 only, you're going to have zero T4, zero TSH, and you're going to have a much higher free T3. And it probably is going to be above the range, which will freak out doctors. They'll go, oh my God, you're hypothyroid. Think about it logically though. You're not factoring when you're, you can't gauge them all at the same rate because we're not factoring in for the conversion, right? The direct T3 on the second one and, and, you know, T4, T3 combo, we're not factoring in for the direct T3, which suppresses the TSH. And then also on the T3 only, they're not factoring in the fact that, again, we're not doing the loop. We've just cut the loop. We just cut the feedback loop out of it and went straight through, got rid of the middleman. And so they're going to be all sorts of screwed up being like, why don't you have a TSH? That's dangerous. Why don't you? And they don't get it. But in general, that's what you're looking at. So if you're free T3 and you're a normal person in this world and you think you have a thyroid problem and you can get a test and it's below the mid of that range, yeah, you probably have a problem. Do some more investigations. So a lot of people in this space, uh, I've, you know, I've heard them say that they don't even recommend, if, if you're on a, a T3, T4 combo, they don't even recommend getting a TSH just because you're going to confuse the patient. If they see another doctor or, you know, see another specialist, they're going to freak out about the low TSH. So I've heard some people say they don't even like to get it because it just confuses the issue because it's going to be suppressed. Just like you said, it's okay. But if that's a TSH doctor, then they're going to be like, why is it the TSH here? I need to see it. Okay. So let's talk about TSH suppression. I have a whole thing in my book about this and the doctor on my book does a whole thing about this. All right. So I want to read this. This is directly from my book, but in general, so studies from decades ago indicated that a suppressed TSH might be an issue. Okay. But what they used to do more than 25 years ago was they would give high doses of Synthroid T4 to patients who, with the intention of shrinking uh, a nodule, thyroid gland nodule, a little benign bump or whatever on the thyroid. So they did this experiment where they would do this protocol and they would jam and give people high doses of T4 to see if it could shrink the nodule. Well, it's a very bad, very outdated protocol that no doctors no longer practice. But at that time, they used such high doses of T4 that they were making some of the chronically hyper people hyperthyroid. They were giving them way too much T4. And so they saw bone loss, arrhythmias, et cetera. So they correlated a suppressed TSH with being hyper, but they're talking about one hormone over here. So Again, it's, it's, a, it's a result, unfortunately, it's an ant, of an antiquated practice, but there are still doctors out there that think that a suppressed TSH is dangerous to the patients. And all of the studies in the last few decades indicate that TSH suppression has no association with some of those feared results like osteoporosis. And interestingly enough, the patients that my doctor had with the lowest TSH values have the best bone density scores. Okay. Um, my doctor had a patient move to another state and their new doctor refused to prescribe them desiccated or compounded thyroid. And as soon as the doctor sees a suppressed GH, TSH, that doctor freaks out and they want to lower the patient's thyroid medication. Because again, they're going back to this old study, this old thing they did many years ago going, oh no, no, suppressed TSH means it's, it's bad. It means heart problems. It means you're going to lose bone loss. It means you're going to, okay, well, here's the thing that's T4 only. So this does not apply elsewhere. Meaning you don't want to suppress TSH if you have a patient on T4 only. That is borderline malpractice. That's a misuse of T4. That is a problem. But it's okay if it's suppressed on a T4, T3 combo or T3 only. Not so with T4 only. Then you're getting into the problem. I saw this the other day. Someone came to me and the doctor was just a dummy and didn't know better and just kept giving them more T4. And they were having a very a, a huge issue. 
And I was like, who the, why does doctor overdose this patient? Like you, you shouldn't do that. Now, some may have a different opinion about that, about suppression on T4 only, but for the most part, that is a little bit of a red flag because again, people on T4 only who are doing well, they have a TSH of some kind, you know, they, they have, they have something. It's not 0.01 usually. Okay. So uh, just, just to kind of summarize on treatment, and then I want to get in uh, quickly to maybe some supplements and, and mm-hmm. some maybe dietary modifications. But uh, so ideally, if you're suffering from a thyroid problem, you need to get all the labs checked, but ideally you want to be on a combo uh, T4, T3. And I've been using actually more compounded uh, recently. Mm-hmm. And I do like that because like you said, you can, uh, you can kind of tweak each one of those individually and, and, you know, find just the right dose for the patient. Uh, so that's, that's probably first choice. If, if you have to just do the, the T4, we want to do branded Synthroid, not the generic uh, levothyroxine. And then last case would be just a straight T3. Or there's straight T3, direct T3 that I take, or there's also slow release T3. So there are two options there. There are, that's a whole nother conversation as to why that would be right or wrong. Here's the only problem with compounded. Compounded is great, but A, you need a doctor who understands it. And and B, if you need to make changes, you can't make it quickly and you might waste some pills because you can't like split apart one of the pills or take a little bit and, or, 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 or you think you took too much. You want to take a little bit less in the second dose. You know, you can't like do that with it. So it's a little bit more set in stone but it still is very great because it's clean and it's sort of, again, really, really great for people. Um, but again, NDT is just as fine too. The only issue is that in the past couple of years, NDT is normally very stable, but unfortunately in the past few years, a couple of pharmaceutical companies have screwed it up. They screwed up the formulations. They put way too much T3 in NP. They had a recall on that. They put way too little T3 in the nature thread. They had a recall on that. People's labs were all over the place. Very dangerous. Those companies could have given people a heart attack by putting too much T3 in their uh, NP. So uh, that unfortunately kind of contributes to endocrinologists who have always been like, see, I told you the stuff's unstable. It's not unstable. That's a pharmaceutical bad mistake that was made that has nothing to do with NDT in and of itself. So I just want to clear that up, but there has been some issues. I always go to stopthethyroidmadness.com for the latest on any medication regarding NDT because Janie is always up on what's been recalled. Is there problems with something, but in general right now, uh, in the U S nature thyroid is fine. Armor is fine. Is NP fine? Probably, but I have such a bad taste in my mouth about their last recall that I probably wouldn't even trust it trust them. And Urfa in Canada, there's all sorts of other, other names for this. Okay. Well, let's get in uh, quickly to, to maybe some supplements uh, that mm-hmm. can help with thyroid. You mentioned selenium, and then I also want to get into iodine a little mm-hmm. bit, maybe when it might be warranted. Sure. So other, selenium, other supplements yeah. you recommend. Yeah. Well, so selenium is really a, a big factor in the conversion of T4 to T3, as we talked about. And oddly enough, I did do a full nutrient panel. And a few years later, when I looked back, I realized I got a reverse T3 problem and I had very low selenium in one of my tests. So that was interesting. Um, most people don't know that if you if you upregulate like selenium, you up selenium in someone, or you just introduce them, maybe the right words there, it is going to help with iodine status. So iodine, everyone will look up thyroid problems and they see that it's related to iodine. So then they go out and they buy a bottle of iodine and they start taking iodine. This is a problem. Don't do that. Be careful because high doses of iodine can give you detox effects. It can mess with Hashimoto's. It could make you sick. It's not, it's not smart. Then again, though, if you're taking a walking tour through Chernobyl, yeah, jam that to take, drink the whole thing. Um, so, so we don't need like 
some people aren't really deficient or they take iodine when they're they're not deficient. You really have to do a proper test for this, which at last I heard, and I could be wrong, maybe there's new ways of doing it, but like the most accurate test for me is the 24 hour urine yep. displacement. You swallow a pill of iodine in the morning, you wake up and then you literally pee in a jug all day. And that is really like, what's my iodine like? So I had, I had, I, I did that. My iodine was fine at the time. Like I didn't need it. So you could take some selenium. If you want iodine, you could take a thyroid support formula like Gaia herbs, or just get a low dose. We're talking micrograms. There's iodine in multivitamins that are micrograms. I'm talking about Lugol's iodine. That's like 6.25 or more as a dose milligrams. That's a lot. Here's where I take iodine. I don't need anything to convert, right? Because I'm not taking T4. So whatever. I still take selenium every now and then because it's a great important mineral, but also I am a swimmer. So chlorine really displaces iodine because I'm simmering in it for 30 minutes, even though I do coat my body in coconut oil and I don't swim every day, I will take a pill of iodine before I go to swim. And I'll take just 6.25 milligrams of iThroid. Iodine is very protective and great for so many things, but people either overdo it or think it's the end all be all. And it's not necessarily. So let's say you're like, well, I don't know. And I don't want to pay for this testing. Would it hurt you to do 6.25 milligrams of iThroid like once a week for two months? I mean, no, no, it wouldn't. There's a fractally dosing it like that. Not a problem. It's the people that are taking the heavy doses every day and it can really screw things up. So valuable, but often misgaged and often it depends on the patients. Like Dr. Brownstein is in the Midwest. He see, he feels like everyone's got an iodine problem. Like it's all about iodine, but yet Dr. Gary Forsman has been working on the West coast near the sea. <laughs> There's a lot of iodine probably in the soil. He's like, that's not my practice. I haven't seen anybody with like, it's, it's very rare versus other places. So you can't chalk it all up to an iodine problem. And it certainly isn't the end all be all, but it's an important nutrient to have along. And yeah, if, it, if it's warranted, great. If you don't know whether it's warranted and you can't afford the test and all this kind of stuff, just get a good multivitamin that has it in there or take a 6.25 milligram of iThroid once a week for a month and then see, you know, but I wouldn't overblow it. Yeah. But selenium sounds like most people, if they have thyroid issues, could benefit from. Absolutely. So actually uh, most doctors, uh, I don't, I don't know if you feel this way, but a lot of doctors who have patients on NDT suggest that those patients take 200 micrograms a day, some 400 a day, every day, forever. Do you need to do that? I don't know. Definitely 200 micrograms, definitely 200 micrograms, probably at least for a while. I mean, uh, by the way, I just want to mention this. So and I'm not affiliated with the company, but the reason I use life extension is selenium is because it's the most absorbable form, which is S-E-methyl-L-selenocysteine versus selenium-methionine or any of these other ones. It's not to say that those are bad. I think that this S-E-methyl-L-selenocysteine happens to be like 80% more absorbable and life extension happens to sell it if you can find that form in something else, but that might be the most potent kind. Um, haven't checked on that in a couple of years to see if anything's really changed about that. I doubt it. Um, and so I take life extension selenium. So even though I'm not converting T4 to T3, I still take selenium. Um, not every day, but I take it fractally and especially during Corona and other things. Um, you know, it's very good. It's a nutrient that's important for lots of things, <laughs> um, in life and it's deficient and depleted in our soil. And it's very hard to keep Brazil nuts fresh, which everyone's like, just eat two Brazil nuts. But if you are struggling with a gut issue, no natural shit is going to fix it. When you're struggling with iron and it's really bad and you're hypothyroid, no amount of raw liver will do it. I'm not kidding you people. It won't do it. You have to take iron pills. Like there are just some things that 
no amount of that natural thing is gonna really nip it in the bud. It might for keeping levels at a certain level or for boosting something if you're already there, but when you're way down low, sometimes that does not work. Happened to me a couple of times with iron issues over the years. So that's really important to know as well. Gotcha. Okay. So let's talk quickly uh, about diet um, because I know that can play a part with thyroid issues and, and obviously you're the host of a paleo podcast. And so I'm sure you have something to say on diet, uh, specifically Hashimoto's, which we, you know, alluded to early on and Hashimoto's um, diet plays a huge role in that. And you mentioned gluten. So just talk about the, the role of, of nutrition as it pertains to thyroid. You know, this is sort of like um, a complex answer because there are things about the paleo primal paradigm of living, which is eating and also a way of moving lifestyle that create the best environment for your adrenals and your blood glucose. That's a whole nother, that's just the dietary paleo part. But then there's the other part, which is some of the foods on the list of things that we don't eat in the paleo world are really offensive to thyroid, particularly Hashimoto's. So let me just explain this for people that don't understand. Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disorder that affects the thyroid. It's no different than MS, rheumatoid arthritis, or type one diabetes in the sense that the immune system makes a mistake and it starts attacking a body part related to it. So in type one, the immune system makes a mistake, starts attacking, attacking the pancreas, trying to murder it. The pancreas runs out of insulin. Now you got to shoot it the rest of your life. Same with MS. The immune system makes a mistake. It starts to degrade and attack the myelin sheaths around the nerves. That's why MS people have all these horrible symptoms. They feel like electrical sockets in their body and can't move a leg or all these kind of crazy symptoms. Rheumatoid arthritis, same thing, right? You know, uh, the, the immune system makes a mistake, starts attacking the joints and all that kind of tendons and stuff like that. Well, with Hashimoto's, the immune system makes a mistake and it starts murdering your thyroid, thinking it's an enemy, trying to attack it. And eventually it will atrophy it. It will be dead. And then you'll have to go on thyroid hormone. So how do you prevent it? Hashimoto's, if you catch it quickly, oh, you may never have to go on thyroid hormone the rest of your life. And if you catch it quickly, it can be just nipped in the bud with diet. And, you know, again, nutrient optimization across the board, I think without goes without saying. Why? Because grains are eliminated from the paleo primal world. Grains, beans, legumes, and dairy. Those things are truly not meant for humans, if anything, in moderation. But particularly what we know about gluten is that the protein in gluten kind of mimics something that seems like thyroid tissue to the immune system, and that's why they attack it. So when you eat gluten and you have Hashimoto's, your antibodies will get higher. Antibodies equal inflammation, equal beginning more problems, higher percentage chances of cancers, giving birth to autistic kids, a nightmare host of things. Your chances increase so much higher of effery in your life medically if you have an autoimmune disorder that's out of control. So most doctors, most endocrinologists, most doctors don't realize you can actually do something about the antibodies and you should, but the fact that you can do something about it. So back to the patient I told you about the success story who had the miscarriages, the doctor only tested T4 and T3 for 10 years, blah, 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 had Hashimoto's. The doctor looked at her and said, if I weren't sitting across from you right now, I would think you just got done with cancer. Your immune system is so such bad shape. That's what happens when Hashimoto's gets on, on, out of control. So then I told her about the gluten factor. And she was a person that was like, I'm never giving up my pasta. No way. You can't get me to go grain free. I told her about the connection with Hashimoto's. I described this whole thing to her and she was like, okay, that doesn't sound good. And she went paleo and the antibodies went down from 325, the lowest she'd ever seen them in her life. 
doctors don't know that that's a connection. They just don't know. So you could be on thyroid hormone and actually feeling great. You might not have any symptoms, but there's this fire burning in the background. There's antibodies in the background that you don't feel that are effing you up, causing problems, giving you greater chances of diseases, cancers, et cetera. So that's why you have to get them down. That's your life goal as someone with Hashimoto's. Now, I've seen it happen with all the things I've mentioned except type one diabetes. I've seen people cure their rheumatoid arthritis. They have, they go in to get the blood test. There's nothing there anymore. Same with MS. These people have written books about it. Okay. But at the end of the day, the same thing goes for Hashimoto's. Your goal is to get those antibodies down to the lowest they can be or undetectable levels. So the best thing to do is if you've been diagnosed with Hashimoto's and you're not on thyroid hormone, diet immediately, nutrition, all the stuff we're talking about, boom, boom, boom. Go there, stay, stay the course for like eight weeks, maybe a little longer then get retested. Did anything change? Are you on the right path? Because sometimes you can control it just through eliminating these offensive things. So your goal as someone with Hashimoto's with high antibodies is an anti-inflammatory life. There's so many things involved with that regarding the paleo diet because we don't use canola oils and things that are inflammatory and other foods that are inflammatory. It's also a low carb paradigm. So that's also very uh, anti-inflammatory. Um, and so the problem is that most doctors will see the patient, check in with them, see their antibodies and test them and just go, oh, cool. All right, well, they have Hashimoto's, so they're gonna have antibodies, not realizing they can do something about it. And gluten is like one of the main factors. Just quitting gluten. Can you be so, so shocked to see these antibodies drop. It's just like amazing. Well said. Okay. Well, as we wrap up, I always ask my guest to give us one health tip that can make us healthier today. I know you've already mentioned a bunch of stuff, but if you could give us one health tip, what would you say? Sleep, sleep, sleep it up, sleep it out, get sleep. Don't do this to yourself. Don't do this to your life. If you could see me right now, I'm way older than I look and I look great because I get a lot of sleep. <laughs> I mean, do other things, get a lot of sleep. Sleep should be your priority. When I talk to people and they're like, I'm so tired, I'm so tired. I'm like, what time are you going to bed? 12, what time are you waking up? Six, F you, that's on you. Yeah. So sleep is one of the biggest anti-agers, the most anti-inflammatory thing you can do. Prioritizing sleep, whatever you can do. Because if you suffer with sleep long-term, liver issues, you know, you know the cascade of things that can happen. Um, so I would just say like, gosh, I mean, I can give a million tips, but man, that's the one I, and I'm a great sleeper and I love sleep and I prioritize my sleep. I, 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 I'm crying for all of you that suffer with uh, insomnia or issues out there. That's something that I'd be tacking right away to full degree. Um, if I had a problem with. Awesome. Okay. Well, very good. Well, thank you for your time and, uh, for all that information. That was great. Um, I just want to let everyone know real quick. Um, I do, you know, yes, you can buy my book. Great, but you don't have to. I created a free thyroid guide on my website, lrust.com top right corner, click it. It tells you all the tests we just talked about. And it even tells you about some peripherals that are important, like ferritin, vitamin D. You know, I know this has been a long one. Obviously we couldn't get into everything because this is a, a massive topic, but that's why I created it. I created questions to ask, to call the doctor, to see if they even know what they're talking about before you go in there. So just go check out the free thyroid guide. You don't need to spend a dime to get on the right path. Awesome. I appreciate that. So uh, you mentioned your website. So it's lrus, E-L-L-E-R-U-S-S.com. Uh, and, and I think you can find your books on there, correct? Yes. And also Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you, uh, wherever you get books. And then uh, I know you do individual coaching, don't you, with, with patients? And, and can they yeah, I coach find people that? 
Yeah, okay. I coach people all over the world. And by the okay. way, it's the same story as you would imagine. Sure. Like, you know, yeah. no different in Brazil or Sweden as far as the stuff we're talking about. So I do. And sometimes I actually even work with doctors. Sometimes I work with couples because, you know, sometimes when there's someone really suffering with severe hypothyroidism, they really can't get their brain together to figure out. Sometimes I have a husband on the call mm. or someone who's you know, so, so, you know, sometimes then I suggest that to hypothyroid people, your brain is not right if you're seriously hypothyroid. It's not your fault, it'll get better, but it's not in the right state. And sometimes you need a helping brain, you know, to maybe help you read the book or sift through some of this information with you. So uh, yes, but I coach people all over the world and you can just reach out to me if you're interested in having me look at your labs and, you know, help you help yourself. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it. And uh, I appreciate you guys listening and we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to FitRx. I invite you to share this with friends and family. If you would like, you can check out our website at vibrantlifedc.com or you can email me at drgreg at vibrantlifedc.com.